Bibles this evening, James chapter 1. It's always fascinating to me how the Lord will work in the music and uh, really tie that together with uh, the thought of a message that is preached in a service and uh, you'll be able to see that connection this evening. James chapter 1 and... I'm going to begin reading verse number 1 down through verse number 6. Our text this evening will be verses 5 and 6. And the title of the message is this, Finding Wisdom. Finding Wisdom. How many of you just admit right here at the beginning of the service tonight that you, on a regular basis, need wisdom? Yeah, both hands. Both hands. That's right. And uh, we're going to be reminded of that this evening, especially at the chapter of life where the Lord has uh, all of us our family, and this church. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Uh, Just to summarize this, the twelve tribes, these are Jewish believers, Jewish Christians, who, because of persecution, have been scattered abroad out of Jerusalem into all the surrounding regions into Gentile areas. And so they've been uprooted, but I will remind you as well, there are different words that are translated scattered. This one here does not mean scattered like sheep are scattered, and you remember that concept in the scripture. This word means scattered like seed is scattered uh, in a field for there to be growth. And that's the word the Spirit of God prompted James to use here that even in difficulty, God is sowing these people as seed, the seed of the gospel, even in the midst of their difficulties. Verse number two, my brethren, count it all joy. Put it in the category of something to be rejoiced in. When ye fall into divers temptations or various tests and trials, Knowing this, how in the world can you do something like that? How can you count it all joy when you fall into, when you happen into difficulties? You do so knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Uh, Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then, obviously, in order for this process to be successful, you're going to need wisdom. And this is why James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But the caveat, the caution, the reminder, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Our text tonight will be verses 5 and 6. And I want you to consider with me this evening the importance of finding wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful to you for the privilege to be together yet again to study your word. I thank you that the Spirit of God indwells every believer that is here tonight and that not only does he empower me, but he also illuminates the heart and the mind of the believer. Uh, I pray that all of us would be listening, not just with our physical ears, but our spiritual ears. And I pray that you would do as you desire to do and as you only are able to do, that you would do a supernatural work. Uh, As the Word of God opened before us and empowered and illuminated by the Spirit of God, as it uh, finds fertile soil in 
in our hearts, I pray, God, that you would make us more like Jesus Christ and better equip us and recalibrate us tonight to understand our need for wisdom and to know better how to find uh, the wisdom that is from above. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Very specifically and relevantly, uh, my family and I are in need of wisdom. Uh, as we uh, have been planning and anticipating uh, the direction of God and moving us back to Missouri, and uh, I've felt very vulnerable. I've felt uh, many days like Abraham. Uh, the book of Hebrews says about Abraham, when the Lord told him to leave Ur the Chaldees, he went out knowing not knowing whether he was going, not knowing where he was going. And so there's uncertainty. But I'm glad that though there's uncertainty from my perspective, there's no uncertainty in heaven. And as it relates to this church and the uncertainty of the future here, now I want to tell you, God already knows. And I've been encouraged by some of the conversations I've been asked to have with the deacons. And uh, I believe God has already very wisely and wonderfully putting things together for the next step. And so I want you to be encouraged by that. But all that to say, we don't just kick it in neutral and have this fatalistic mentality of, well, we're just going to have to see how it all turns out. No, there's something we can do, and that's to acknowledge our desperate need of wisdom and to ask God for it. Because he delights in giving good gifts to his children. I was thinking about uh, Psalm 21. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but... I, wanted, I was meditating on this verse just this afternoon. Psalm 21 and verse number 2, David is writing as the king, and he says this, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord. And let me just say this. You say, well, that applies to David. Okay, initially it does. But uh, do you remember what the New Testament, the category of the New Testament, one of the categories of the New Testament, or marks of identity the New Testament gives to you and to me? We are a nation of what? Kings and priests. And so there's wonderful application here. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation, how greatly he shall rejoice. And then I love verse number two. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and hast not withholden the request of his lips. Selah. Think about this. God has not withheld the desire of David's heart and he has not withheld the request of his lips. We have a prayer-hearing, prayer-answering God. And let us go through the next few weeks and months and years, if you would, in full confidence of that. And so there's a need for wisdom for our family, for the church here at Crossroads. And the verse here says, if any of you lack, what's the word? Wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge. It's not the same thing as knowledge. And this is an important key for you to keep in mind. Wisdom, by definition, is the skillful application of the knowledge that you have. In other words, it's putting into practice what you know. I'm reminded, our getting ready to move to the Midwest of the two Iowa corn farmers that were standing at the fence taking a break in the midst of plowing and one farmer asked the other one he said are you going to the Iowa corn growers convention this year and the other farmer said no I don't reckon I will and the other said why not and he said because I already know how to grow corn better than I'm growing it and a lot of Christians have knowledge but wisdom is the skillful application of that knowledge 
putting it into practice, if you look at wisdom in the scripture, it is an active noun, if I can say it that way. And so it is not equivalent to knowledge. It is this skillful application of the knowledge that you have. Let's not be believers who have a lot of head knowledge and even to a degree heart knowledge, but lack in our application of that knowledge. And one of the ways that we can be proactive in that is by asking God to give us wisdom. How do I skillfully apply what I know? James gives a contrast here in chapter number one of, or chapter number three, pardon me, of the two different, main two different categories of wisdom. And he gives the characteristics of the wisdom that is from above and the wisdom that is not from above. Keep your hand here and look at James chapter number 3. And this is important because as we ask for wisdom, God's given us identifiers or identifying characteristics so that when something that may or may not be wisdom comes along, we'll know how to identify it. And notice James chapter 3 and verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Okay, a person professes to be wise and know how to put into practice the knowledge that they have. Okay, here's how you can tell if he's operating, if she's operating on the wisdom that is from above. Let him show out of a good conversation, a manner of life, his works with meekness of wisdom, with the humility of wisdom. In other words, biblical wisdom has as an inseparable part of its characterization, humility. If there is pride involved, it is not the wisdom that is from above. Let him show out of his works, uh, his good conversation, his works with meekness, with the humility of wisdom. But, strong contrast, if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Don't boast about having wisdom because it's not true that you have it. Okay, This wisdom... Descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. I've written in the margin of my Bible here, drama. (laughs) There's confusion in every evil work. Where there is discord, where there's a harsh spirit, where there is a critical spirit, where there is envying and striving, strife, that is not the wisdom that is from above. Take note. If a person has a critical spirit, if they're always finding fault, they didn't get the wisdom that is motivating them from above. They got it from below. Okay. Verse number 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So wisdom, the skillful application of knowledge, and then we're given in the book of James itself uh, identifying characteristics for how we can discern between two different kinds of wisdom. The context of the book of James, as we've already mentioned, are scattered saints who are Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel who've acknowledged Christ, trusted Christ as their Messiah, and really they got two counts against them. They're Jews and they're Christians. Getting scattered into a pagan world that hates Jews and hates Christians. And so persecution has scattered them, but they are to view themselves as seed that has been sown in the field of the world. 
to bring forth the fruit of the gospel. James identifies the fact that they're going to face suffering. Various trials are going to come their way. And also later, later on in the chapter, he identifies that the devil is going to try and tempt them. There are going to be two different kinds of tests that they're going to face, if you would. Tests to their faith and tests from the devil, the temptation to send the devil. We covered this several weeks ago in a Bible study, John, with, the friends that, uh, with his friends. The devil is a fisherman. And the verses... 13 and following show him as as trying to lure us out of the place of safety and protection and tempt us. And so these believers are going to be facing suffering. They've been scattered. They're going to be facing struggles with the temptation, with their own flesh, with their sin nature. The devil is scouting them out as if on a fishing trip. And so they have a desperate need of wisdom to navigate the difficulties of life. Wisdom that we desperately need is not natural to us. It comes from where? Above. It's not natural to us. In fact, in addition to it not being natural to us, we lack it. But God's wisdom is available, and I'm so glad to say this tonight, it is available for the asking, it is available for the finding. I love the book of Proverbs. Proverbs pictures wisdom as a woman who stands in the chief places and the public places and she cries out to the young men of the world in a pure and a legitimate sense, I'm available. Seek me, search me, your life will be spared. I'll be like an ornament of grace to your neck and on and on the descriptions go. Wisdom is available if we'll ask for it, if we'll acknowledge our need. And so if we are to enjoy the benefits of wisdom, if we're to find wisdom, I want you to notice, first of all, we need to recognize the reality of our lack of wisdom. It's not natural to you and me. We don't, wisdom does not rest with you and me. We are desperately in need of it. Notice what James says, if... Any of you lack wisdom. I've shared this with you before, that the word if here, there are several different ways that conditions are presented in the Scripture. And when James says if, uh, he is essentially saying it this way, since you are lacking wisdom. He's not saying, you know, there may be a remote possibility that at some point in the future you may come to a, a crossroads where you lack wisdom. He's saying this, no, you are lacking wisdom. And all God's people better say, Amen. Amen. Since you are lacking wisdom, it's a condition that is assumed to be true. If any of you lack wisdom, since you are lacking wisdom is the idea. The wisest man that ever lived begged God for wisdom. And God gave it to him. I was reading this morning in the Psalms and came across a word, though it's not this word in the King James Version. The idea is this. David said to the Lord, I'm stupid. That was the idea. Lacking in wisdom, lacking in knowledge. Paul talked about all the knowledge that he had and all of the ideas that he had before he got saved, and he counted it as dung or loss. 
And he would say in 1 Corinthians 15, I am nothing. Moses and Joseph both and Daniel would say, it's not in me. It's not in me when it comes to interpreting dreams. It's not in me. Both of those men, Joseph and Daniel, said. And so if you and I are going to find wisdom, it begins with the reality of our lack. I desperately need wisdom. I desperately, you desperately need wisdom. You say, Pastor, are you calling us dumb? No, I'm just stating a reality. You need wisdom. The skillful application of what you know. In many cases in each of our lives, it's not a lack of knowledge. But it's wisdom we need. Skillfully applying, putting into practice what we know. In the midst of the trials and the difficulties of life, as the context here would lead our thinking to understand. I want you to notice, secondly, if we're to find wisdom, we can... Go on our search, get this, with the fact that there's a reassurance in our lack. I love this. If, James says, the pastor lacks wisdom, is that what the text says? Is if the pastor lacks wisdom. No, no, just hang on a second. I'm seeing some of you go like this. I'm in that category, but I want you to follow, okay? If... You have a master's degree in theology and lack wisdom, ask of God. That's not what James is saying. James is saying, if any of you lack wisdom. Who does that include? I love this. That's a reassurance. It doesn't matter. James is not addressing the elite. He's not addressing... Only those who have masters in theology. He's not addressing only those who are in full-time ministry. He's not addressing only those who've been saved longer than you've been alive. Okay? He's not addressing only those who are mature, only those who've been long-term in a church. I got to say this, in a sense, there's really not tenure when it comes to something like this. I love this. This is a reassurance to me. A little child can ask God for wisdom and God will give it. A brand new believer who's only been saved a few weeks and has a lot of baggage that some of us more mature believers might look down our nose at. Sad, isn't it? But you know what? A sincere, newly saved believer can cry out to God for wisdom. And they're in the category of James' passage here. If any of you, uh, in a couple of other places, when James says these words here, if any, the original words in other passages are translated this way, whosoever, whosoever. Can I tell you something? We have a whosoever book. When it comes to who can be saved, whosoever. When it comes to who can ask for wisdom when they recognize their their lack, whosoever. 
When it comes to how long a person's been saved and the status that that gives them, if you would, in God's family and in the kingdom, we have a whosoever book and a whosoever God. What a reassurance it is, if any of you. I want you to notice, thirdly, the recourse for our lack. What, what can we do if we acknowledge, I got this lack of wisdom, okay, anyone is included. What's the recourse? A recourse is a path to get help in time of difficulty. By definition, that's what a recourse is. So what is your recourse when you recognize your lack of wisdom? What is my recourse? I've seen the reality of my lack. I have taken heart by the reassurance that I'm included, that I can. What's my recourse? Ask. Let him ask. And you know what? You don't have to have a PhD to know how to ask. Eliza is three weeks old, and she's already demonstrating ways of asking. The recourse, James says, you recognize your lack of wisdom? Anyone that does, let him ask. Notice if you would, keep your hand there and look at James chapter 4 and verse number 1. You know what I don't want... Can I tell you something I'm dreading about heaven? That made you sit up and listen, didn't it? I'll tell you something I'm dreading about heaven is the potential. I'm doing, I want to be doing more and more to avert this potential. And I don't know exactly how it would happen. But to get to heaven and for the Lord to say, here's the room with all the answers to prayer that I wanted to give you, but you never asked. If you just asked me, look, I already had it packaged up and ready. Ask. Recourse. James chapter 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss or out of an evil motive that ye may consume it upon your lusts. The significance, the importance of asking let him ask. What a recourse we have. Ask, and it shall be given you, Jesus said. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. To him that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, that shall be opened unto you. And then depending on which of the gospel passages you go, Jesus talks about, you know, what dad is there if his son asks a fish, he's going to give him a serpent or a scorpion, or if he asks a loaf of bread, he's going to give him a stone. No good dad is going to do that. If ye then, Jesus said, being evil, being a fallen creature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to those that ask you? Can I tell you the, the crown, if you would, that uh, the Gospel of Luke, I believe it is, records the crown of the gifts that he gives to the believing sinner is the Spirit of God living inside of us, permanently indwelling us. Wherever the Spirit of God is, that's where I am. Okay. 
And so recourse, I think about Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16, just a few pages back to you left in your Bible. Let us therefore, because we have this great high priest who knows everything, he's been tempted in all points like as we are, he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I love that. You know, sometimes we downplay feeling. How many of you have feelings? Is that a part of your fallen nature, or did God make you that way? God made you with feelings. You feel stuff, don't you? I do. And so here we have the Lord Jesus who has been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It was all points... In all points, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then because of that, because we have this empathetic and faithful high priest, the author of Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may, what's the word? Obtain mercy. And what's the word? Find grace to help in time of need. And the idea there is exactly at the right time, the precise moment of need the time of need, that we may obtain. The word obtain means to receive. This is good. To receive what is being offered. Can I say something about the Lord Jesus Christ sitting on the throne that we're invited to approach boldly? Can I tell you how he sits on his throne? Like this. He doesn't sit on the throne like this. He sits on the throne like this. And obtaining is receiving what is being offered. And then the author of Hebrews talks about finding, and it's the idea of discovering what is being sought. Years ago, I heard an illustration about the will of God that is stuck in my mind. My dad has echoed it to us over and over and over again. The will of God. God wants you to have it more than you want it. He's not standing in some hideaway spot on the pathway of life after you get past as you've been looking for the will of God. He doesn't let you get past and then jump out and say, you missed it. Those who are looking for it, they will discover what is being sought. That's what the word find means here. So what a wonderful recourse we have. So if I'm going to find wisdom... I need to begin with the reality of my lack, my need. I can take heart from the reassurance that even though I lack, I'm one of the whosoevers or the any. God has given us a recourse. When I recognize my lack of wisdom, I'm invited to ask. But I want you to notice number four, the resource for our lack. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of... That's our resource. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Ask of God who gives. Uh, the, the literal idea, it's kind of a, not the way we talk, but the literal idea in the original grammar is this, is that our God is the one who gives God. He's the one who gives God. When you think about the attributes of a God, our God is, of all that's called God, our God is the God that gives. 
Have you ever thought about all the other concepts of God in Greek mythology and the Roman pantheon? So many of them, it's so much of it, the outgrowth of man's lustful imagination. And take, 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 take. But the only true God, the God of the Bible, is the the one who gives God. What a resource. And notice this, let him ask. What's the preposition there? Let him ask of God. It's not viewing God as ask of God as if God is in heaven and I'm here. The the preposition that is used here, and I love these word pictures. Okay, the preposition that is used here is this. I'm going to illustrate, Josh. It literally means to ask from being alongside of God. Let him ask from alongside of God. It's it's the idea of a child nuzzling up close to daddy and looking up and saying, Daddy, I need... It happens at my house on a regular basis. You know how it is. Most of the time, if, if the girls or Judson, if they really, really need something or want something, they don't shout from downstairs, Hey, Dad, can I have spending money for camp? That's not how it works. They come up. I'm sitting in my chair next to the bed reading. They come up, and they just walk in with this air of sweetness. And they sit down on, the, on the, the footstool of the chair. They sit down there and they're like, Daddy. It's not Dad. It's Daddy. How are you doing, Dad? I love you so much, Dad. You're such a wonderful Daddy. You're the best Daddy ever. Do you know what my response is many times? What do you want? Been there, done that, right? But that's the idea. Let him ask from alongside of God. Get up close to him. The giving of God is one of the gems of the book of James, highlighting this attribute of his being the one who gives God. Verse number 17 of chapter 1, every good gift and every perfect gift is where? From above. Cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with a word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Boy, a God like that. A God who gives us new birth. A God who every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. He doesn't change. What an amazing God. I can ask him for wisdom. And in light of everything else he's given me, He's going to give me wisdom if I ask him in faith. Look at chapter 2 and verse number 5. Chapter 2 and verse number 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? What a God we serve. Then in response to even the faith of the poorest of men on the earth, God gives them a place in his kingdom. He makes them one of his heirs. That's the giving of our God. Look at chapter uh, 4 and verse number 6. Even in light of the envy of the human spirit, verse number 5 speaks of that, and man grasping for things that he thinks will satisfy, James would have us to remember verse number 6, but he giveth more grace. 
Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble. Listen, listen, listen. This world can make all kinds of promises, and you can build up your checklist, your bucket list, but mark it down. Nobody can outgive God. Whatever good the best of this world even may have to offer, he giveth more. Grace. That's our God. Chapter 5 and verse number 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and this is the thought, and have seen the end of the Lord. How does it all turn out when you follow the Lord? Even through the trials and difficulties of the caliber of Job that he experienced. What is the end of the Lord? How does it all turn out? The end of the Lord. That he is pitiful, very pitiful, and of tender mercy. Verse number 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Just ask Elijah. That's the way our God gives. And it's a wonderful theme. James tells us that he gives liberally. The word liberally is not liberal as we think of politically. There are two ideas to the word liberally. Number one, simple. No ulterior motives. No strings attached. Just simple, sincere giving. That's how God gives. Okay. And number two, it has the idea of not just simple, no strings attached giving, but it also has the idea of abundant giving. He doesn't just give simply with no strings attached. He pours it out, brother. And then he gives lovingly. The way that James says it is this, he upbraideth not. He doesn't cast it back in a person's teeth. Why would you ask such a dumb question? You know better than that. Not our God. He gives lovingly. He does not upbraid. I want to show you number five and then we'll conclude. If we're to find the wisdom of God in the midst of our trial, we begin with the reality of our lack We take heart in the reassurance that any of us can ask. That's our recourse. We're asking of the greatest resource for our lack. We're asking from alongside of God. But number five, I want you to notice a requirement. There's a requirement for our lack. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in Faith, dependence on his ability. Faith, looking for his abundance. I love Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able, his ability, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now unto him that is able. I, I love how this thing builds. Now unto him that is able. Able to do. To do what? Not him that is able to do above all that you ask or think. And to do so exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Uh, folks, I don't think you could pile on the adjectives and adverbs any more than that to describe the giving of our God. We ask, though, in faith, that is confidence in his answer, even if it's not what we wanted. God's answer is always better. We ask in faith, depending on his ability, 
looking for His abundance, confident in His answer, and resting in His affection. Listen, when you ask, remember this, God is not the God of the Pharisees that works on a reward system, so to speak. He's a Father. And we can rest in His affection and His goodness. One of the great themes of the book of James is faith in action. And one of the greatest ways that we can demonstrate faith is by how we pray. I'll close with this. There are several key folks that when I'm seeking counsel, and this is very biblical, in the multitude of counselors there is safety. There are several key folks that I will, as I'm facing a major decision, I will seek wisdom from those people. But I want to close. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. There are three passages. I'm only going to look at the two in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 24. So we think about seeking wisdom, finding wisdom, and we think about people that we would petition for wisdom. I want to leave this thought in your hearts and minds as we think about our need of wisdom, our lack of wisdom. Notice, if you would, verse number 24, 1 Corinthians 1. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the understood idea, is the power of God and the what? The skillful application of knowledge is all wrapped up in Jesus. If you want to know what wisdom looks like, just look at Jesus. He's the wisdom of God. Looking unto Him, fixing our eyes on Him, but we see Jesus, but consider Him, the author of Hebrews said. And then notice verse number 30. But of Him, that is, From the Father are ye in Christ Jesus. Talking about our being positionally placed in Christ when we trusted Him as Savior. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. Wisdom. Jesus is made unto us to be the wisdom of God. That word made that is used there is made uh, our genetics. For those, you and I, before we got saved, we had no eternal genetics to warrant it our getting into the family of God, but God put us into Christ, and in so doing, He immersed us in the person of His wisdom. So just look to Jesus, because He is the apex of wisdom. And so we find wisdom by looking to Christ. And all God's people said, Let's pray. Father, thank you for how you've reminded my heart tonight and this afternoon and the last couple of days about seeking wisdom. Thank you for the promises that we've seen in this passage of Scripture that when we ask in faith for it, it shall be given him. Thank you for your character as our Father and how you give. And, Lord, we desperately need wisdom. Help us to recognize that. Help us to take heart from the fact that any of us can come seeking it. Thank you for the recourse that we can ask and that you're the resource, the giver of it. And then I thank you, Lord, for the challenge of asking in faith when we do. In Jesus' name, amen.